Welcome to the All 49ers show. I'm Grant Cohen. That's Jose Sanchez. The Niners play in Seattle tomorrow night. Um, if you didn't know, the Niners are playing like t- tomorrow. Wait, not for Sunday this week. Yeah, the NFL does this thing called Thursday Night Football. Every team has to do it at least once. So this is the Niners' turn, and I'm going to go up and watch. So we're going to talk about that game uh, and other things. But we're going to start with Debo because he's out, and he's coming back. But the Niners are going to have to survive without him, and last year that would have been tough. This year it may be less tough. I don't know, how do you think the, the offense is going to reorganize itself? Who's going to start in place? Let's start there. Who's going to start in place of Debo Samuel Wise out? Yeah, that's going to that's gonna be tough because, you know, the cop will be like, oh, it's going to be more McCaffrey. And it's like, well, McCaffrey was already kind of being like everything for that offense, even with Debo in the mix. So you're going to have to start thinking maybe they're going to start incorporating more Rary McLeod. Maybe we're going to start yeah. seeing finally some more Jordan Mason carries to yeah. – because they probably will pick up the pace with Christian McCaffrey to an extent because remember – um what was it against the uh, against the Rams? That was when McCaffrey had to step in because there was no Debo, right? And it was yeah. like this was a must must win game for an offense that's very stagnant. So we saw McCaffrey do it all. He threw it for a pass, he got for a pass, he, he did he it all. But call. I think now is you don't really necessarily want to replicate that, especially on a short week. So maybe what you see is a, a kick in his production a little bit, maybe like a couple couple more like receiving uh, uh, catches utilization that you see from Debo, and then maybe more D- uh, Jordan Mason. And then from there, you just incorporate the rest of the little platooning. You know, maybe Ray McLeod gets a little more run out there. That's how he gets targeted, but he just gets more run out there. Jawan Jennings is asked to be uh, tasked with more um, more responsibilities. Um, i seen Danny Gray get mentioned. I don't think Danny Gray is going to be relevant much of this game. Maybe he'll get like five snaps, but I want someone to see a feature. But I think that's the way it's going to see. You're going to see a kick in CMC's utilization, and then Jordan Mason becomes a little more uh, carry. And then for us, you just got to have everyone else pick up the slack. See – when you keep saying like McCaffrey's usage is going to go up, that kind of scares me because I think you're right. And I think that's – they got to be careful. Like, yeah, you got to win this game, <clears throat> but you got to not get Christian McCaffrey injured down the stretch of the season. And I know it's like Kyle Shanahan and his supporters will say, hey, you know, you can't prevent that. It's football baloney. Mm. You, can, you can lower risk here. And uh, ramping up Christian McCaffrey's usage is already high right now. Is, is I think the the wrong move. So I like the idea of more Jordan Mason. I think having Debo Samuel healthy was like blocking Jordan Mason with, for no reason. Uh, I think he's your number two running back, if not your number. We talked about this last week. If not your number one running back, you know what I mean. Like he should be getting a lot more carries than he is, and he should be getting the ball in the first half, not just the second half. So that's good. And I think with Ray Ray, yeah, I think he's going to be the starter because they want that their their Z receiver to be like a guy who can also line up in the backfield and be a gadget mm-hmm. guy who goes in motion. And that's Ray Ray. Apparently um, it's not Danny Gray. Danny Gray is more like Ayuk. He's an X receiver. I don't think he's going to use Danny Gray. I don't see me. I know he had his first cast last week and whatnot, but I mean, I don't see, I don't see how in the heck he gets used you sure? at all. You sure? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. Think so? I, I, I don't think he, I don't know how you said he might, you said he might get like four or five snaps, right? Maybe. Yeah. He'll have to roll him out there by default, but I, I agree with that. How much is he going to utilize? But I think the the quarterback change changes things because you saw it. Like yeah. Brock Purdy threw two touchdown passes deep outside the numbers in the second quarter, and Jimmy never did that. So now, now all of a sudden you have a – what's the point of playing Danny Gray if the quarterback won't look down at that part of the field? Now the quarterback will. I'm yeah. just saying I think it's possible that he might get a target down the field. He got a target last game. He might Maybe get he has two. a decoy to open things up. Maybe it's more than a decoy. All he needs is one. I'm just saying. 
I think I think this puts him back in play. I don't think he's gonna start, but I think Purdy no, puts no, him of back in not play. Not gonna start, but like to get no. into like the mix of things. It's like, all yeah. right, now our, one of our best, if not best players on offense, is out. What are we gonna do? Let's throw Danny Gray in there and see who well, can get some routes and stuff. So, they yeah, did his toe in there last target week because it'll help. It'll help put the defense on their heels a little bit. Get some more. It, it forces them to play more respect to the 49ers offense because. Purdy's proving like, hey, you can't just necessarily a thousand percent crowd the box. And they might still do that. They might. It's a short week. It's only going to be a second start. Um, he's has a little bruised rib, a bruised oblique, whatever. He's sore, whatever. It's, they're going to try to force him to put it in his hands because they're going to probably think, hey, we have home field advantage. We've seen rookies crack before. Yeah, it, it just feels like they gave him one opportunity last week, Danny Gray. He caught the ball. So... Are they gonna give him positive reinforcement or negative reinforcement? Sometimes colleges. Yeah, but still, I mean, Debo was hurt. They gave him a slant. He caught the ball. <laughs> he could have gone the whole way if he broke a tackle. So I think he might get another target, and it might be. Sound I don't know. It might be just because it's Purdy. But in the meantime, Ray Ray's the starter, and he's gonna get an opportunity to uh, get some targets. He's gonna be the one who's. I'd like to see his usage go up because real quick. When he's targeted this year, he's only been targeted 19 times, but he's caught 12 passes, and the quarterback rating when targeting him is 112, as opposed to Debo, the quarterback rating when targeting him is 73. I mean, he just – it hasn't worked throwing the ball to him. They've this gone year. deep to him, too, yeah. several times this year. Ray Ray. That's a good point. So before we see Danny Gray out there, I think Ray Ray's going to get a shot. We saw as soon as Debo went out last week, Ray Ray was in the backfield getting carries and stuff. I think you're going to see stuff like that. And I hope they don't get him hurt playing running back. Because now it's the next guy who has to play okay. running back. Ray Ray, you're the 185-pound running back on the Niners now. And uh, if you get hurt, that's too bad because he's really shown that he's a hell of a returner. I mean, it's like the Niners consistently start at the 30-yard line or more. He doesn't fumble, which is also no. key. He did last year. This time last year, they had like six, it felt like. Yeah, I think that's maybe why Pittsburgh didn't bring him back. But uh, he's really good. So, Ray Ray, you're the next man up. On defense, the Niners are really thin at defensive tackle. Armstead's back, but Kinlaw isn't back yet. And what else? Uh, Kevin Givens is out with a knee sprain. Um, Hassan Ridgeway's out with a pec sprain, uh, strain. Kerry Hyder has an ankle injury, may or may not play. Um, who's going to start a defensive tackle? I was about to say, give me a Seahawks. list of people who actually are healthy because all the injuries, it's like, who are they trotting out there? <laughs> I mean, they got T.Y. McGill. T.Y. McGill could start. I don't think you could start Charles and Menahue at defensive tackle against the Seahawks because the Seahawks want to run the ball. And if you go light in your defensive front, they're going to take that as an invitation Kent to run the Walker's ball. Walker's coming back. Yeah. So I, I think this is a big T.Y. McGill game. It, it feels like that's the only option, right? That's the only option you're going to put down there. And then on rushing down, that's when you mix it up and that's when you kick everyone inside and you just throw a bunch of stunts and blitzes. I think that's, that's what we're going to have to do. That's what that's what we're gonna try to do, um, even with the bumped uh, a bump a bump leg of from Kenneth Walker because he was dealing with like what like an ankle sprain or ankle whatever the hell they were saying. He's still a pretty fierce back, and big reason why they weren't still looking so hot last week. You weren't able to run the ball with anyone. You didn't have him. I think they only ran the ball like nine times tops with Kenneth Walker. They're going like at least fifteen times yeah. on top of the other backs they go behind him. It has to be T.Y. McGill. You have to put a big old stone boulder right there just to like keep the offensive line from moving these guys. And then it's like, all right, well, now we got to throw a Gino, And then, boom, you're playing into our hands. 
I mean, short week, the, I mean, the Seahawks definitely want to run the ball and like try to wear out the Niners defense because yeah, they definitely weren't really like tired out too much <laughs> against yeah. the Bucks. Whereas in Seattle, even though they're playing home, I'm pretty sure that they're kind of like drained out from like playing heavy press on offense. Yeah, I mean, this is this is concerning. Um, if Ty like so, Ty McGillen and Eric Armstead are going to have to play like big games, like a lot of snaps, a lot of run defense, a lot of taking on double teams. It's exhausting. And I don't see who the backup is. I mean, they could call someone off the the, the practice squad or something. But, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Seattle could try to do what Atlanta did. The Niners were banged up on their defensive line, and Atlanta was like, we're going to run the ball as many times as we can, and you're going to get tired. And they did. So <clears throat> I think we expect – I think a lot of people expect the Niners to kick Seattle's ass, and they might. But <clears throat> if they can't stop the run, if they get tired and, and Seattle can run the ball five five yards a carry, it's going to be a really close game. Yeah, early early uh, defensive <clears throat> arrival of you know sh- enforcing your dominance is really going to be key in that game yeah. against Seattle because the moment you let up just the, the first few drives where they can like run some nice long possessions and even score, then it's going to be like okay, this looks like it's going to be an offensive game, and Purdy's going to have to really like sh- you know show up almost again like he did for the Bucks. That, and those first early ones are, di- are going to be so key because you saw it against the Bucks too. Um, well, actually, the offense scoring early made it help too. But like you know, the defense was pretty much holding stout against the Bucks running game. But it's not like the Bucks have a great running game. I know they got that good running back, but Seattle, same with Miami. <clears throat> same with Seattle, Miami. Pete Carroll. That's always been their thing. That's always been the, yeah. And Miami, that's not that's not really their thing. Even with Jeff Wilson, I mean, I know he went off, but I'm pretty sure both of those running backs were hurt. Um, right. Maybe it's the case of this could be a case of the Miami game because we don't know how how much Walker's going to handle how he's going to see coming back from from his injury. But if he's even close to healthy, I know for one thing, he's a damn good running back that could easily gash like the uh, the Niners' defense. Well, when the Niners faced the Seahawks earlier this year and beat them twenty seven seven, the Seahawks couldn't run the ball. And when we talked to Jimmy Ward yesterday, like, what do you want to do? It's like it's the same story every week. We want to make them one dimensional and and put the game in Geno uh, Smith's hands. I mean, if they do that, they win. They did that week two. They won by a lot. Um, Obviously, Seattle's going to try to not let that happen. They're going to try to press the issue on the ground. And if the Niners can't stop the run, they're going to they're going to run the ball forty times, and yeah. it's going to come down to the very end, or they'll lose uh, the Niners. So, I, this is big. Ty McGill, I hope you're ready. Eric, I hope you're ready because the, the Niners need you guys to play. have no other choice here. <laughs> you got to play a lot. The only thing is, gonna, defense. If, I wonder if they're just going to tell the linebackers like, "Hey, line up like a yard closer, or be or be ready to like take that first couple steps." To play the run because we need that run feel like <clears throat> ASAP. I mean, we can't just wait on. It's not like you know the Seahawks are like. I don't know if they're like prominent play action teams, but I don't, I don't know if they're going to be doing that like early and often. I just don't see why you would pass against the 49ers right now. I mean, their their pass rush with Armstead and Amanahu and Bosa and Jackson. It's just really good. Um, I mean, Jim Smith has been a, bit, <laughs> a much better player than Week Two, and they do have two solid receivers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, didn't mm-hmm. work with Brady. Okay. But Brady was also inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Two was also inaccurate. We'll stick with is the Niners' defense, huh? Is Geno Smith going to be inaccurate? Because you know Brady was inaccurate last week. Two was definitely inaccurate two weeks ago. I mean, there are spots to pick when you're playing when you're playing offense. Uh, uh when you're playing against the passing game uh, as uh, offense, and that's going to be your identity against the Niners' defense. It's just again like you're you're, you're playing you're running the risk of like exposing your quarterback and getting that thing blown up immediately. He's going to be under pressure. I mean, they don't have a great offensive line. 
And no, we've seen what the last two quarterbacks have looked like against the Niners' defensive front. It's not good. Geno's not good. Two is better than him. I mean, he's having a good year, but <clears throat> the Niners' defensive line makes good quarterbacks look bad. So that's what I expect. If the, if the game is in Geno Smith's hands, they're going to lose by a lot like they did week two. Uh, if they can run the ball, they could win, or it'll, be, it'll come down to the very end. And I'm not sure that they won't run the ball because the, the Niners have like two defensive tackles on their roster right now. They could call up a third. But that's a problem. Yeah, a Carol might call the hit on. He might be like, hey, th- we know where they're weak at. Let's run it, run it, run it. And no, no, no quarterback pass. like Russ is going to tell him nah because yeah. it's going to work. I mean, it's what they want to do anyway. And now they have a green light to run it right up the middle. So that, that's a key factor. But <clears throat> right behind the Niners defensive line, you got uh, Dre Greenlaw, who's playing like an all pro right now. Um, I want to ask you how good you think he is. To me, <clears throat> you could argue that after Nick Bosa, he's the best player on the Niners' defense or the guy making the biggest impact. No disrespect to Talanoa Hufunga, Traverius Ward, anyone else, but this guy's amazing. He's incredible. I and I know I'm going to write out later about he's Pro Bowl caliber right now. He's at Pro Bowl level, but that's just <clears> the floor. Um, I feel like he's going to get disrespected and not get the all-pro looks that he should. Uh, maybe he'll get a vote, but I, I he's not that prominent of a name yet where people are going to really like elect him. He's been, I mean, come on. He's not playing the best ball since rookie season 2019 when he came down just storming. And that um, when he started against the Seattle Seahawks Monday night, had that pick, almost pretty much was the game, almost was the game sealer for the 49ers. I mean, ever since then, what's really been stopping him? Injuries, um, a little bit of undisciplined play, not a little bit, a lot of bit of undisciplined play. And that's kind of what you saw early in the year, right? You know, the Chicago game, he kind of had a f- several gas. It's like, Trey Greenlaw, what are you doing, bro? Um, so kind of saw it last year too, but injuries with his groin and everything else. And then now you've seen that he's cleaning up the last month or so. It's like, okay, now all the good things you've been doing, even when you were playing like a bonehead, is even more emphasized because you're not hurting the defense. You're almost carrying it to a degree. You're making like the game-changing plays that you that we don't see that we haven't been seeing in years. So, my God, he's he's all over the place. I always described him in 2019 when I first saw him. I was like. This guy's just a speeding bullet slash heat-seeking middle missile. Yeah. He just goes anywhere the ball is, and he's going to just burn straight to, to you and through you. You don't want to have the ball in around Jerry Greenlaw, and you can ask Tyreek Hill about that the other week. What's interesting about him is, like, the Niners, he's another player they kind of backed into. They wanted his type of player at linebacker, but he wasn't the first plan. The first option was Reuben Foster. They spent a first right, traded up to, to draft Reuben Foster in round one to be what Dre Greenlaw is right now. And he wasn't. He was just a, I mean, a flop in a lot of ways. Then they yeah. went to uh, to fix the problem. They went and signed Quan Alexander, coming off a torn ACL. What's that first? Yeah, but he, so he still. The way I saw it was they they signed Quan. They drafted uh, Dre Greenlaw same year, and to me, Dre Greenlaw was better from Quan from day one. Nothing against Quan. Quan was good too. But Dre Greenlaw was better, and Quan started because he was older and he was making the money, and then eventually he got hurt, and Dre Greenlaw just got to start, and I thought defense improved. He, he started in the playoffs. Defense was great. And then last year, he didn't play much. The defense was still really good, but now you're seeing what kind of an impact he makes when he's out there, and he's playing like the best I've seen a linebacker on this team play since Patrick Willis. I think he's maybe better than Navarro Bowman was, maybe. Maybe better than Fred Warner was ever, ever. I mean, he's that good. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. He's so fast. He's so fast. He hits he so, so hard. Fast. He might he's be extremely little... violent. 
I don't know. He's faster than Bowman was. I mean, it's definitely no one's hurting the case if you're saying this is the first time we've seen Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman together, and this is a reincarnation basically of those two. I mean, they're both fast. They both play the run well. They both they both play defense and pass defense great. It's just. I mean, like the Niners luck into these linebackers. I mean, it's just incredible. There's no way you're going to tell it's me. It's not luck. Let's not say luck. I think they have a great linebacker coach, and a, I, I think they've shown that they know how to scout it and develop the position better but than any other team. They identified Fred Warner as that in 2018 because uh, even though he was getting run on a, on a very putrid team, like you said, they signed Quan Alexander to be that new Robin Foster. And then true. Dre Greenlaw was just add more depth, and it's not like yeah. you know. I mean, Fred Warner was number 48 in in 2018. That tells me that he wasn't a linebacker that they cared for. He was a special teams guy, and, and again, but. Well, he was a, a project. Guys, Remember, you know, he was a DB like, in college. He was like a freaking nickel back in college. Yeah, he was. Exactly. Into... So you, you're, yeah. That's why he gets his speed from. That's why he's a heavy hitter too, because yeah. he got that little yeah. safety in him. So Absolutely. I think it's just it's just the way it's just come about. I mean, I know Quan was a whiff, but like, hey, you got Fred extended. He's he's top five, top eight linebacker. You got Dre Greenlaw was easily looking like a top five, top eight linebacker. And Aziz, you, Aziz? Aziz definitely slept on. Still, he's he's definitely top fifteen, top twenty. Yeah. No injuries, kind you of. You got Marcelino McCreary ball waiting in the wings. That dude's a, a dude. <laughs> yeah, so it's like they got, <laughs> but they got all these all these linebackers going good for them, and it's just, I mean, Drake Greenlight is just, he's just finally happy that injuries number one is, has stopped them from holding himself back because that's really was always the unfortunate key, and then he's cleaned up. He's he's more disciplined now. Now he's more sure-handed. You you saw last week. I don't know if you stayed for his press conference, but I heard him say like. Yeah, so many times, like, I just wanted to come down early on those checkdowns early, early. So that's him, like, restraining himself, like, that, like, almost like that, 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 that bulldog in him that just wants to go and attack and just, like, knock people out. So thank God him for being disciplined. He's able to be so much more polished. Yeah, he's a hell of a player. Um, shout out to Dre Greenlaw. Let's move on to this game coming up uh, tomorrow. What do you expect from Brock Purdy in Seattle? It's a big test for him. I mean, not a lot of Niner quarterbacks have won up there. He's got a, an injury. He's got a left oblique rib thing. It's a short week. This is a big challenge for him. Uh, on the other hand, S- Seattle is a little overrated. What do you What are you expecting? What's a reasonable expectation for this kid? Hundred fifty uh, well, quarterback not- rating. Three three quarterback three TDs <laughs> forty yards. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's gonna be the Jimmy G level. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't also. I would like to taper expectations from the Bucks game. I feel bad for this kid because now he's already he's already, he came in, played great in emergency relief. A handful of backup quarterbacks do. He played phenomenal in his opening start, debut start. Play, well not, I wouldn't say even playing. That's not true. But backup quarterbacks have been able to make their first start in a game. Not have a career, but then look good. But, I mean, that good? I mean, his expectation is living up that high is, pretty, is a pretty high standard now. So, I would say he just has to play – well almost maybe just sufficiently well where again just don't turn over the football you don't have to make too many grand plays like you did last week maybe just one or two just keeping the chains and like take off with the ball a couple times and just being efficient with the red zone like he's been doing i mean that's one thing that's clear as day that he's better than jimmy because he can run and he seems more decisive he's not like he's not like frantic when he's in the pocket in the red zone he like he actually knows like i gotta score i'm gonna score um so just take care of the football, which is easier said than done. Doing that is already a huge feat in itself. And then just make several plays with your arm and legs. And I think because, you know, Seattle's defense is, is going to be able – is going to quiver when that happens. And I'm pretty sure the running game is going to make it easier on Purdy in the first place. So just do that. You don't have to be Tampa Bay level. Just be like half of that. And I think you will find yourself with the offense scoring 20-plus points and a good spot to winning the game. 
you know, he got a lot of credit last week. He was great last week. He made some beautiful throws. But if you step back and look at what the Niners did, man, they ran for 200-plus yards. They yep, played great cute. defense. And anytime you do that, the quarterback is kind of complimentary, even if he plays well, which he did. So that's all. He needs to be a complimentary guy. The, the Seahawks have a worse run defense in Tampa. The Seahawks gave up damn near 300 yards on the ground to the Raiders. The Nothing against Josh Jacobs, hell of a player, but come on, man. I mean, this 100 team, yards came in the last play of the game. They gave up 189 yards on the ground to the Niners week two. Like, the Niners can do this. They've done it before. All he has to do is essentially, like you said, take care of the ball, but also take care of himself. Dude, you got hurt on the second drive of your first start. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like, diving. Don't do that. Don't dive. <laughs> we, we love it. I'm sure, you know, you're trying to endear yourself to your teammates and your coaches, and maybe they want you to do that, but don't. You I, this, this whole season comes down to you staying healthy. And I know he's going to play through injuries because this is his opportunity, but – if he keeps playing like this, he's going to have like four different things he's playing through by the time this, the, the playoffs roll around. That's what always happened to Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard with their grittiness and toughness. So stop. It's Freaking all fun and games, so you're diving for first downs. Stop. <laughs> can, some, can some quarterback finally understand that they will – that the number one job is to stay healthy? Stay healthy. Stay healthy, please. I mean, Tom Brady – I just saw a 45-year-old man get sacked zero times against the Niners. It was quite impressive. He's not hurt. He got hit a handful of times, though. A lot of times. But he didn't, you know, he's not getting hit running to the sideline by a linebacker running full speed like Dre Greenlaw. Another thing about Dre Greenlaw, we're not talking about him right now, but the reason I compare him to Patrick Willis, when Patrick Willis was in his prime and an offense tried to get to the edge, like with a running back or a jet sweep, it was like, man, you're just going to get ear by Patrick Willis really hard. You're not going to turn the corner. You're not going to try that play again. He's going to chase you down, and that's what Greenlaw does. Right now, it's a lot of fun. It's like, oh, you're trying Dre. to get to the edge against the Niners. Okay, here comes Dre. Oh yeah, he's gonna hit you really hard. You're not gonna want to do that anymore, huh? That's why. I, sorry, we're not talking about Dre anymore. But I met, wanted to make that point. That's what I like about a linebacker. And like, remember Chris Borland? He was really good, but he couldn't get to the sideline to sideline like that. Yeah, he, he would like make these. Quickness. Yeah, he would make these like diving shoestring tackles, which are impressive. But I like a linebacker who just ear holes you. That's the verb I'm using. You know what I'm saying? Just runs down your. Just it's like, yeah, it just plants you in the ground. Doesn't have to dive fast. So Brock Purdy, play linebacker like that. That's the expectation. Two way player, play linebacker. He could do it. Keith says I agree. We're much more equipped to handle a Debo injury this year versus last year. I look forward to more Ayuk and Jennings targets. Yep. Yep. I really you can say the whole Debo. Debo's been a disaster this year, man. I mean, he's still a good player, but they just haven't been on the same page with him. Throwing him the ball. Hasn't really worked. Running the ball hasn't been smart. Maybe I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I guess that's what happens when you're not locked in the whole year. I mean, he. I mean, you missed the whole off season. It was all. It was. He missed the whole off season. You know, you're worried about your contract and you're trying to pick up your focus very last minute in the training camp. I mean, I know it's not last minute. He had almost a month, but still, that's, that's pretty late. You know, you were there. I got, another, I got another topic, real quick. Bonus topic. I think the loss of Wes Welker has hurt Debo Samuel and helped Brandon Ayuk. I think I think it's kind of a yin and yang thing here. Here's why: Wes Welker is a is a hard ass. He doesn't mess around. He played in the league. He has high standards. From what I understand, he was the one that kept Debo Samuel's weight in check. He insisted that Debo would be two fifteen. Debo sometimes would come into camp two twenty, two twenty five. Insisted that he'd be two fifteen. And from what I understand, they would go on runs together. Wes is like, look, I'll do it with you. I will do the cardio with you. And it worked. And now, 
I look, I, I don't think that hard ass approach really resonated with Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk doesn't need to be pushed to be in shape. He's in shape. I think Brandon Ayuk needs someone who gives him positive reinforcement, like Leonard Hankerson. You and see Brandon Ayuk Hankerson on the Pac twelve. So that's yeah. a little more softer than the SEC. Yes. So Leonard Hankerson do uh clearly is buddies with Ayuk and gets the best out of him. I don't know that he's getting the best out of Debo Samuel. I think they might need someone like West to be like, Debo, you need to be 215 pounds, period. And I don't know if Leonard Hankerson can deliver that message. So I just wanted to put that point that out. Leonard, it's the next yeah, step for you. A- you did, you're doing a great job with everyone except Debo. You got you to gotta yell at Debo the way freaking uh, Brock Purdy would. Brock Purdy <laughs> in, in the huddle. Yeah. I think that's a I think that's a fair point because West has been there since his rookie year, and actually I remember uh I remember on the on their playoff run, and I remember several even several times during the Super Bowl, I got to, you know like the the Monday media nights that they let you just free roam whatever and stuff like that during that week. I got to like yeah. talk to West Walker like plenty of times that week, and like just over and over again, the dude could not just laud Debo Samuel enough about the work he did uh, yep. about his ascension because he uh, bought he in. Emmanuel Sanders too. But you right. can tell there's a there's, coach, there was like a yeah. there's a close night close knit relationship that obviously definitely could have only grown tighter and ascended in 2020 2021. Welker coaches hard. He's old school. He 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 played under Belichick, <laughs> and Debo Samuel. I mean, doesn't shut down to it. It actually brings out the best in him. He needs it. I don't know that it brings out the best in Ayuk. To your point, I think Ayuk is like me like i didn't like being yelled at by a coach i, I want a coach that says that i'm good you know and believe we can also go it. back to the whole was he locked in through the whole year thing because Ayuk was locked in from the moment last season ended i mean That's he was true. over there That's playing true. with trey in february and march he was otas and then Wes welker had debo before the contract not saying you know if it's yeah. you know it's, it's a lot of things and this definitely i would see play a point um what about you, you think how much i know he was a running game point. But how much do you think uh, Mike McDaniel played a factor there? Because we know about how they're buddy buddies, and um, McDaniel definitely had to at least had some of his fingerprints on the Debo switch over, or at least the creative plays that went into it. Well, right? when Debo was uh, was requesting a trade this offseason, and like you know, you went to dinner with him and everything. Yeah, he was like flirting with Mike McDaniel, like posting little videos on Instagram, clearly trying to that's why I'm get like, the I mean, Niners' attention. Became weirdos that whole offseason and going into last week's game. Yeah, that's because of that. Part. Justin says, uh, with the Niners having to use more silent count, how many false starts will 69 have? <laughs> and holding penalties. You just got to hope they don't have to delay games. That's something maybe I want to see from Brock Purdy is that yeah. hostile environment. I know he said yesterday, and I'm right, I already wrote about it, is about uh, he has experience and it shouldn't shake him. I mean, to me, to me, I'm pretty much sold on him. I just need him just to play de- de- decent in this game and win, and I'm sold. I don't know that I'm sold on him as like a franchise quarterback, but I feel oh, no, sold no, that he's. That, that. I feel sold that he's an upgrade over Jimmy in every way. Like, okay, he's a rookie, but I feel like he plays with more poise and confidence than Jimmy does. He 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 seems like more of a vet than Jimmy ever has. I always call Jimmy the thirty year old rookie. This guy feels like the he twenty like year old playmaker to me. Yep, that's true. You can't the say that about the, Jimmy. Jordan Matthews says the Niners took the script away, uh, the script from any given Sunday. Jordan Matthews, the uh, tight end for the 49ers. Hey, thanks for watching, man. Great. Great career. Love your work. Hope you come back next year. The X Factor will be Danny Gray tomorrow night. I wouldn't rule him out. I wouldn't rule him out. I wouldn't rule him out. I feel like they gave him a test. He passed the test, and now they're gonna, they might put just a little bit more on his plate. But I don't think he's going to start. I think he's, he's basically Ives backup. It's going right. to be situational. Situational. I'm agree- that's, that's the word of the day. If you think about it, everything in life is situational. Everything is a situation. 
deep, huh? Okay, anyway. Is it is this stream situational? This this stream is the, the the most situational stream of all time. Uh who do you expect to win? 49ers or who've won six in a row, or the Seattle Seahawks, who've lost three or four, including games to Tampa and Las Vegas. All right, let me just lay this out that the 49ers have only won once in Seattle in the last 10 years. They've only won once in Seattle in the last 10 years. And um, if, if you go back, like, it's twice going back to 2011. And yeah, 2011. That game, probably won there. that game came down to the final play, and the one uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo in 2019 came down to the final play. So if the Niners have blown out Seattle in Seattle, uh, it, it was like when I was in college or high school or a very, very long time ago. A very they don't win convincingly. No, it's hard. It's, it's hard to play up there. It's a Thursday night game. They're tired. They don't have. They have one defensive, ta- two defensive tackles. <clears throat> it's tough. Look, they could get worn down. They could get worn down quick. Oh yeah, For, they they could. Oh, That's yeah. always on the table. And weeks ago, month ago, okay, entering the bye, this is the game that scared you the most. I had this chalked as an automatic loss with the Forty ers Seattle's rolling. Um, Forty ers offense, you can't trust them. They're gonna go against Tampa. They might get. They, that might be a battle for most of the game. Um. All the points I had laid out, why they're going to lose, turned upside down. Seattle's yeah. leaking oil. They're crum- they're crumbling harder than a cookie right now. You yeah. got the offense actually looking good with Brock Purdy. Is it a coincidence the Niners were able to score 30-plus with Brock Purdy in the fold and not Garoppolo? I don't think so. I mean, that's that's where I'm kind of starting to be a little I'm, – I'm, I'm sold because the same way I, – I, I think it's almost a consensus now that Purdy does elevate the offense. And even with him being limited by injury or maybe it's a Troy, whatever – I still think they're going to be relatively fine. What's the worst that's going to happen? They go back to the same offense that's barely scoring 17-20 because you know what's not going to be stopped? That defense. That defense is going to be lights out. And you got Kendall Walker coming off injury. I'm always someone who, like, coming off injury, I'm I'm kind of shorting you to a degree. So I think yeah. they're going to be fine. I think it's going to be like a, 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 24, a 24-17 matchup. It won't be a full-on blowout or full-on convincing win, but I think the fact that they didn't go into a crazy battle with the Bucks. It's going to play a lot. I don't think they're too drained or too hurt from that game. And I think ultimately they'll come out the victor. And yeah, they'll, um, they'll be NFC West champions if they win this game. So that's a that's huge – right. you know, looking really good from this one. I, the thing with, with, like, Seattle is there was a reason why everyone thought they were going to be so bad this offseason. They emptied the cupboard of their roster. They, they, the moves they made this offseason were, like, tanking moves. It wasn't just trading uh, Russell Wilson. That was the right move. But they, they got rid of Bobby Wagner, who's still great. And they didn't have a replacement, and they can't stop the run. I mean, and it's like they, they were an interesting story early in the season given that they were tanking. They're like, wow, this team is overperforming. But now they're not overperforming anymore. They're out of like, the playoff picture suddenly. Yeah. They're, they are who we thought they were, and they knew they were overperforming, and their fans knew they were overperforming. So, like, this whole – you know, Seattle crowd, like they know what their what that team is. And if the Niners go up seven nothing or fourteen nothing quick, like they've been doing recently, that stadium is going to be really freaking quiet because they know what that team is. So, I, yeah, twenty four seventeen seems reasonable. Seems reasonable to me. I they, they could keep it close, like we said. Seattle could keep it close just I by think running the close. ball. I'm, if if it's twenty four seventeen, maybe like Seattle makes like a last minute touchdown or something like that. But I think ultimately it'd be close. I think maybe the Niners – it could probably start off slow and the Niners pick it up. Then Seattle tries to throw some punches. It's like – I don't know. It's a divisional game. It can't always be a blow. And unlike Arizona, I mean, Arizona just lays flat. That's a lifeless team, so who cares about them? Uh, but it could Seattle be a blowout lays, again because Seattle's play. not good. They're not a good team. They're, They're an not, overperforming, but... well-coached team, but they can't stop the run. If you can't stop the run against the Niners, 
Good luck, dude. Good freaking luck. Look at Tampa last week. Like, it's like, why did you even fly out here? Huh. Up 200 and, yeah, what did you do? You wasted everyone's time. Your and that own was time. a good rushing defense, too. Yes. And that's, that looked like a tired, uh, disheartened team on a short week flying across country, not to make excuses. Um, I don't know. No, Seattle that's at home. That's a, that's a factor that they definitely played yeah. in. They played it close. They did. Uh, they did go almost overtime. Did they go overtime? No, they went all the way to the end against Seattle on a Monday night. So that was where yeah. it was like, you know, the Niners could have the upper hand here because that's going to be a tired team. But yeah. The Saints. The Saints. They, it, it was an emotional game that they won. They came down to the end and they had a game. Just, yeah, they had nothing left. Uh, this is going to be. The Seahawks are going to be much more emotionally engaged than the, than the Bucks were last week. But still, if the Niners go up early, I mean. Plus, I think the Niners I, are going to be locked in. They're going to be locked in. That's because it's the Seahawks are a divisional game. They're, I think Shanahan's really going to dang out. The NFC West is wide and yeah. freaking front of you. Grab it. Right, right. Because a, a lot of times this would be a trap game, right? Like you just came off two big wins. It's a short week. The whole world is crowning you and saying you're in the NFC champion. It's, it's you and Philly right now. It's you and Philly. No, you got to prove yourself in a short week against Seattle and Seattle. But the, 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 the division uh, – is at stake. I mean, it, it shouldn't be too hard to to get your team to play with urgency. It really should. It's Seattle. No. The coach shouldn't it's even Seattle. need to say anything. To be honest, yeah. what happens if they lose? What happens if they lose this game? You fumble. You played it. I know. What are you gonna say? Yeah. Oh, short week, prime time. I get it. Quarterback hurt. But it's like all of a you sudden just you just you just gave team. Seattle life. Now they're back in the playoff picture. Yeah, now it's they're your back fault. in the playoff mix, and now you got to go yeah. up against the Commanders. On yep. a, I guess not a short week. It's a Saturday. It's still, it's still a couple days leg up. Um, the Commanders right. who Niners should beat. Honestly, I think the Niners should win out. They should win out the rest of the season. To be honest, like Seattle. I mean, <laughs> we already established them. The Commanders, you know, they're solid, yeah. but ultimately, I think they're gonna crack. They'll probably look good for a, a couple of drives on both sides of the ball, and then crack. The Raiders, <laughs> come on. And the, and the Cardinals, are the Cardinals even, the Cardinals are giving up. There's no Kyler Murray. I feel bad for Kyler Murray. Them. That sucks. That That's whole, terrible. like, football's brutal. And, like, there's, there's a lot of it, like, guy gets hurt and you feel bad. But at the same time, it's like, well, it's what he signed up for. And there's the non-contact injuries. It's like, well, he signed up for that too. But it's so cruel to go your whole life playing the this, this sport and to be good enough to stay healthy and, you know, play, not get smacked. And then your knee gives out? That sucks, man. It sucks. Sorry. Sorry, Kyle. I think there's always like te- almost signs for that. I wonder if that was the same leg that his hamstring was bummed on, because that's always something. Remember all the time, like freaking even Richard Sherman and other players say like, "Oh yeah, I felt my calf like tightening up or feeling yeah. weird," and then my Achilles went out. There's yeah. always like I feel like like little little crumb signs. Precursor, a precursor. Because you're, a yeah, precursor. yeah, precursor. Yeah. Because you're used to playing like I'm tough. I'm trying to get over it, and yeah. you know, no one knows, no one knows, and it just happens. It just goes. The, th- the thing about like you said, they, they could win out. I think they should. I think it's interesting. They like, should. In the NFC, it's down. You figure there's only three or four teams that can even compete with the Niners right now. It's Cowboys, uh, Eagles. Cowboys, Eagles, maybe. Minnesota. I don't see a third or a fourth. Where do you see a third or a fourth? It's not maybe me. Minnesota. Not Minnesota. I'm saying, like, I'm not saying that. I think they might be able to compete with the Niners, but they might just get that work too. I don't know. I don't know. So there's very few teams that can even match up, um, and it ain't Russia. It ain't Seattle. Is it the Giants? Not- <laughs> It's not the Giants. It's not Tampa. It's not. Um, There's no one. It's not. It's not. Now, if the Niners lose to Seattle, you start looking around and be like, damn. Well, they could lose to Washington. They could lose to the freaking Raiders who beat Seattle. Like, this is an interesting game for the Niners, but I, I think we. Well, you remember a, a month ago, we were like, I don't know who this team is. I feel like I know who this team is right now. With Brock Purdy suddenly? Yeah. I, yeah. 
I do. I think they're. A good, I don't think. A good I don't think it's we, who is this team. We always knew who half the team was. We always knew what the defense was. They've never had. They've only had one bad game. And who to go against? One of the greatest coaches of all time and quarterbacks True. of all time. Great. True. So does everyone have a bad game against them? It was the offense. I was always like, who the hell are they? Kyle, figure it out. You got McCaffrey. You got Debo. You got all these players. And it took. And it took two quarterbacks going down for Brock Purdy to suddenly be like, I know where we are. Just give me the ball. Like it's crazy. <laughs> And I was yeah. shorted him so badly. I thought these, this team was going to be cooked going down the line. But, but right now, it feels like this is the right quarterback for this team. It does. Right now, going forward, this season, this yeah. season. I'm not going past beyond because past beyond. No, is, for this season. For he's this a season, better quarterback ready. than Jimmy Garoppolo. And he's more, he's more ready, pro-ready right now, I think, than Trey Lance. Although, I don't know. I still – one game in a monsoon in three years. Man – his career no, feeling for Trey Lance is still better, but I mean, it, it's looking bad for Lance right now. It, now, again, remember what I said last week, the and it happened, it happened against the Bucks. The perfect game to create con- controversy has already happened. Now, if he just keeps it up, it, and keeps winning, I wonder what a religious guy like Trey Lance makes of his life right now. You know, like when he was tw- 19, 20, he's probably thinking, Man, I am the most blessed person. I- I'm this guy who's from this small town, and God has put me in this position. and I've gotten everything I've ever asked for. And now it's like, man, what did I do? I haven't played in three years. Like, what is going on? It must be very strange, right? Especially for people who are deeply Christian to feel like everything happens for a reason. It must be, what is going on? I can only imagine. It feels like he's being tested somehow by the football gods, if you yeah, believe maybe, in that kind yeah. of stuff. You know what I mean? So weird. So weird. He was the chosen one. And now it's like, wait, Brock's the chosen one? What the hell happened? I thought I was the guy. <laughs> What you could have probably correlated to his college career how you know Minnesota didn't want him and then he had to go yep. down to D two or you know whatever yep. North Dakota and then it's the same thing. Yep. It's like hey, you started off, you had to wait, then you got hurt, and it's like all right, you know now and you got to have battle. a storybook season. You win the national championship, you're undefeated, you're the number three pick, but now it's like man, it's been three years and I haven't played and I'm hurt and this guy, whoa, what what do I need to do? What happened? Why did all the luck change? I don't know. These are the questions in life you can't answer. Guy, you can't it's answer these questions. I can't G. think Jones, of a worse start. G.I. Jones says, uh, this is for you. What's up with the shirt, amigo? Are you plugging a restaurant you own or work at? You wear it like every time, so now I want to know. Respectfully. Keep it up, you guys. Oh, well, thank you for asking. This is actually our family's restaurant. Not necessarily my immediate family, but my uncle and my cousins wear it or work it. Uh, La Tapatia in South City in Grand Avenue. Go check them out. Next time you got to take me there. It's a taqueria and a store at the same time. So get your tacos, get your burritos. They've been in the top five. They've been in the top 25 San Francisco Chronicles best restaurant in the Bay Area multiple times. Oh, nice. Nice. So it, so you can also get, it's almost like a grocery store. You can get whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, there's also a grocery store. You like, love it's, that. It's, it's very small, but there's also a grocery that. store and you get, you know, you get your everything. I love that. A little bit, nice a little bit of everything. Key says the same Cowboys that gave up 23 points to the Texans. That's what I'm saying, right? Like, there, there aren't that really. That's why everyone's saying it's the Niners and the Eagles. It's the Niners and the Eagles. One team in the NFC that matches up well with the Niners. I don't like that point out because first of all, they got the win. Second of all, it's December football against a poor team. This happens every season. There's always a good team. And the, I mean, the Niners happened that in 2019 against the Falcons. Good teams lose to poor teams in December because they don't care. You can't get up for that game. And it could happen to the Niners on tomorrow. Why do you get up for that game? It could happen to the Niners tomorrow. They could give up 23 points to Seattle. Yeah, on a short week, and they'd be more valid. All right. Uh, because, again, like, the Niners win. Their their engine is their defense. On a short week with no with two defensive tackles, their defense may not look like it normally does. And if that's the case, then this game will be interesting. Mm-hmm. 
or it'll just destroy Seattle. It'll look great. I don't know. Vikings are as fraudulent as the overseas prince that uh, keeps <laughs> emailing, <laughs> offering me $10 million. Their defense sucks. But they have Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook and a decent quarterback. I'm not going to give them more. But well, we've seen them um, shut down that running game of Cook multiple times, no matter who yeah, they have on defense and defensive coordinator. It's true. It's true. I, I just do think that they're a better team without – that coach they had the last million years. What the hell was his name? Why do I not remember his name? Zimmer. They're just way better without Zimmer. And that's why I picked them to be good this year. And they are better than they were last year because of this. Uh, They're still kind of soft. Um, hey, G.I. Jones, tell them Jose Sanchez sent you. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll hook you up. <laughs> maybe. Tanyan says, I've always wondered that uh, about religious people too. At the time, I wondered how Carson Wentz felt when Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yes. And I feel like, you know, oh, he was as, a Jew, as a Jew, you know, Jews, the Holocaust happened. We don't really feel like everything happens for a reason. Like, that's a very dark way to live, at least for us. But Christians do feel that way a lot of the time, and I respect it. I just don't. How do you how do you come to grips with all the good luck? And, and then, like, did, I, I wonder. Anyway, I don't know. It's there not, was a force that I remember. One. I mean, I don't remember how concrete they were, but that like he was like he was jealous and kind of pissed. Because, I mean, I don't know if necessarily towards Foles, but also because, like, damn, that could have been me. That should have been Wentz. me. And then yeah. Nick Foles got glorified. Nick Foles is a better, is a more popular historical figure than Wentz is over there. People hated him over there. I wonder, I th- does towards the Carson end, towards Wentz think end. that God is mad at him? Like, did is that how you look at it? Like, I don't know. I don't, or know, is I don't it... know. I can't speak for him, but I just know, like, I don't I, know. hearing from the reports, is like, it was just like he was bummed and pissed, which rightfully so. You can be bummed and pissed. Maybe it was towards the head coach, too, and Foles. Um, I don't know, because remember, he was having an MVP-type season that year, and then he, whatever, he tore his ACO, Achilles, whatever, in that Rams game, and then, you know, they still won without him, and it was like, damn, they were winning because of you, and then they still won without you. Yeah. It's just tough, like, a lot of football players are very religious, and they very, they often feel like everything happens for a reason, and then you tear your ACL in a non-contact injury, or you haven't played football in three years, and it's like... That must be that must be tough to try to reconcile those things, and maybe you know that's what being religious is all about, right? Like that's what having faith is all about. It's not easy. How do you deal with it when the blessings aren't coming as frequently? I don't know. That's interesting. Um, I wonder if he would ever talk about that, or if that's just private stuff. For- just mean, I mean, just imagine Jimmy. I don't know about his religious thing, but how many times he's been injured? How much dark dark places he's been in? How pissed, annoyed? Like yeah, Jesus. Like, or Jason Verrett, dude. My God, dude. I yes. feel so bad for that guy. Right. That's the number Absolutely. one guy who's really yes. just like, dude, does someone like does someone yeah. like make you sleep under a ladder and give you all this bad luck? I, I, that's the only thing I can think of. Like, I always think of Job from the Bible when I think of him. It's like, again, why do you have to keep taking everything away from him? Why? He has to get this close to have every have his dreams taken away from him again? That's cruel. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're almost so close cruel. finish line, psych. He could tell his grandkids one day, I was the best cornerback in the league when healthy. It's just I was healthy for like two years. It's really it's awful. It sucked. And everyone will tell you that that knows me that I was that good. But say uh, cone to go. Say cone to go from Mostert to CMC is a blessing. Say cone to go from Mostert to CMC is a blessing. Oh, say cone to hey, go. Hey, okay, cool. Just keep him healthy, though. Keep him healthy, guy. David Sir says, smarter for the Niners to rest players or go for number two. It's nice what to have that second. Two? It'd be nice to have that second home game. Oh, go for the second seed. Oh no, go for yeah. that second seed. What the hell? Nothing's clenched up yet. First time I saw you with Jose, great duo. Oh yeah, man. And you should see us on the road. 
You should no, see us no. when we get a little bit of tequila and squirt, That's man. It's more crazy. Annoying. <laughs> you guys think he's annoying now? He's worse then. Terrible. And Cowboys can't stop the run. Oh, that's a, that's a problem against the Niners. That's a big problem. I got to catch a flight. I got to go to Seattle and uh, cover this game. It's going to be cold. Oh, yeah. I'll be back on Friday. Today. It's going it's to be a quick little 36-hour trip. I'm going to be in and out. So. You come back Friday? Yeah, you know what? It's not too much. To, no, no, no. Hey, give Seattle some credit. I've been out there for like a good three, four days. I love Seattle. I did a Portland Seattle trip once three years ago. Beautiful. I love Seattle. Seattle is one is my favorite West Coast trip. The Arizona trip is no fun because they put the stadium in Glendale where nothing is. The, the nothing LA stadium is uh, the LA trip's okay, but I mean, there's a lot of places you might want to hang out in LA. And frankly, you know, not an LA the forum. Fan, the forum isn't one of them. Like it's it's close to LAX, which is nice, but it's not really close to anything else. And LA so hard to get around. It's not the greatest. Seattle's hell of fun. Downtown stadium, you walk to the to the game. Yep. It's hell of fun. I, I got. I went to go to the Mariners yeah. Park one time. That's that's that place was dope. Yeah, they're they're right next to each other. Um, Grant, how can Purdy defeat Seattle's defense if they eliminate the left and middle of the field? Uh, got a feeling Carroll will get cute. It's Point hard to, to throw. That's where he threw the whole time. I want, I want to. Is that what left and middle all time? He threw left and middle. I think he went one for one for one or two for two. The top left corner because remember that's where it went to Ayuk uh, and. Uh, and a McCaffrey, the twenty-plus yarder, and then there's, there's there's nothing right. I think ten yards under. It was everything five yards under to the right. It literally looked like literally looked like a cell phone bar where it went high, then middle, then low. Yeah. Like you know what I mean from left to right. I want to point out that um, Seattle actually at home has a very good pass defense. They have two good, two or three good cornerbacks, and their pass rush. I looked it up at home is their their sack percentage is over nine, which is top four. At home, and that's because, the, first of all, the turf makes them faster. The crowd noise makes them get off the ball faster. They have a good pass rush, and they have good corners. So if the Niners can't run the ball, they could lose. They could lose the game. So it's very much, you know, Thursday night game, tired defenses. they got to be able to run the ball, but I'm expecting they will. Seattle can't stop anyone on the ground. They couldn't stop the Niners earlier this year. That's why I think they win. I think another thing, too, about Purdy's – there's going to be more pressure on because it's a road game, prime time, hostile environment. But you know the NFC West title's right there, and he might be trying to press harder than he should be. I mean, he's done, he's done a good job so far, but this is a real test here. This is what, again, that's why I say this is what's going to convince me. If the Niners come out uh, passing, pass first approach, nope. they're going to mess around to find out. No, don't so do that. Don't do that. You can, the, the run game is open. Just run the ball. You let Jordan Mason win this game for you. This is a great game. This is the perfect game for Jordan Mason to get 20 carries. You don't need to give 20 carries to Christian McCaffrey to win this game. Give it to Mason. Don't drop back 40 times because you're going to mess around and find out about this Seahawks pass defense. They have a good pass rush at home, and they have good corners. So Yeah. And they have, a good, they have a good defensive coach, too. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they, they do. They really do. All right. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Next time I see you will be tonight when I'm in Seattle. Uh, Jose, great show. Peace, everyone. Check out La Tapatia in South City. <laughs>